Let's turn to Matthew, the eighth chapter. Matthew, the eighth chapter. Uh, don't forget this Sunday after the service, we're going to have a we're going to have cake out there in the entryway for Paul and Ruth Fonts. Their seventieth wedding anniversary is tomorrow, and uh, so this Sunday after the service, we're going to have cake for them. And uh, so, if you can stay after the service for a little bit and celebrate with them, I'm sure they would be wonderfully blessed. That's this Sunday, right after the service, out in the foyer of cake for their 70th anniversary. That is really an accomplishment. Be married 70 years. All right. Um, tonight we're going to talk about a touch from Jesus. A touch from Jesus. Uh, you know, I get concerned about Christians who seemingly always need a touch from Jesus. But I get far more concerned about Christians who seemingly never need a touch from Jesus. Now, when I say always need a touch from Jesus, you know, uh, over the years as we've had hundreds of prayer lines praying for people. And one thing I observed is that soft times you'd have the same people come in the line again and again and again and again. It wouldn't even matter what what you'd, you know, be praying for, they'd come in the line and they'd always come in the line and always looking for a touch, always looking for a touch, always looking for a touch. And uh, I found this, that when Jesus touches you, you can run a while on that. Did you get what I just said? I said you can run a while on that when Jesus touches you. So you shouldn't always be needing, you know, some kind of a, an experience or a touch. Did, now, did you get what I just said right there? Did, 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 you get, did you get that? I didn't say we didn't need Jesus all the time. I just said that, you know, always needing something. If we're always needing something, it would appear to me that, you know, we're not really making contact with Him. Did, did you get what I just said there? If you make contact with Him, you're going to receive and you can run on that for a while. You see? But now I get far more concerned about Christians who get to the point where they don't, they, they, they never need a touch from Him. They never need a touch from Him. I'm more concerned about those people because, you know, you can run for a while on a touch from Jesus, but, you know, this world will drain you. It will, it will draw on you, it will drain you, just the affairs of life and whatnot, and you know, there was a church in the book of Revelation that said, I'm rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. You see, I am concerned about people who get to a point where they have that attitude that I don't, I don't need anything. I've got everything, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And then Jesus said about that church, Do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Did you, did you hear that? So just about the time we think that, you know, we, we don't need anything from God, well, we do. And so let's talk about a touch from Jesus and look at some people, just very simple message tonight, looking at some people in the Bible who Jesus touched. First of all, Matthew, the eighth chapter in the first verse. Matthew, the eighth chapter in the first verse. Notice this. When he'd come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. That's Jesus. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him. A leper came 
and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, notice, Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Put out his hand and touched him. Put out his hand and touched him. See, this leper got touched by Jesus. Put out his hand and touched him and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And you see this leper needed a touch from Jesus. It's interesting, you'll notice that Jesus will touch people that no one else will. I doubt that you would have been able to find anybody around there that would have been willing to go near this leper, much less touch him. Highly contagious. That's why they'd have leper colonies and they'd isolate these people, you know. But Jesus uh, not only went near him, but touched him. And immediately this man was cleansed. Now, there's another one found in in Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse 14. Notice Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse 14. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Lying sick with a fever. That was Peter's mother-in-law. Now, notice in verse 15, he touched her hand. He touched her hand. Notice what happened when he touched her hand. The fever left her. And she arose and served them. He touched her hand and the fever left her. Now, you realize, and we'll see this as we go here, when he touched her, power, no doubt, went into her and drove out that fever. Now, it's interesting as you study the other gospel accounts of this, Jesus didn't do anything to this uh, woman until they ask him. Until they ask him. It's interesting that uh, as you look at the ministry of Jesus, he doesn't do things until people ask him. And then you notice that he does exactly what they ask him. We need to be specific in our praying, don't we? In what we're believing for. If I ask you tonight, what are you believing for? I can tell you exactly what I'm believing for. Are you believing for anything here tonight? You ought to be able to... If I ask you, what are you believing for? You ought to be able to tell me at least one thing. Did you hear me? Now, um, and and then another gospel account said he rebuked the fever. He spoke to it, you see. But I believe there's some significance here into the touch in that the power of God was transferred from him into her, drove out the fever, the fever left her. And then the Bible says she arose and served them. Now it's interesting that there's a lot of people that I've run into being in the healing ministry all these years. And we've seen hundreds of people healed and we're going to see hundreds more get healed. Amen. In the process of time. But uh, I've noticed in so many that come over the years, so many come just to be touched, to be healed, and then they want to go their own way and do their own thing. And they'll get back in touch, in touch with Jesus next time they need Him. Well, I've seen again and again where those people don't receive anything. And if they do receive anything, they usually don't keep it very long. It's like those ten lepers that came, remember? And uh, he said, go show your, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests. How many remembers that? The Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. 
But there was, anybody know how many of them came back to give thanks? Just one of them came back. Now, I can't prove this no more than you can disprove it, but I tend to believe that that one leper that came back to give thanks was the only one that kept his healing. We need to be thankful when Jesus touches us. And then we need to be willing to serve him as a result. I remember back in 1982, 1982, the first time I ever went into what we would call a charismatic church. I was raised in a Baptist church. And so I'd never been in a church where uh, in, in anything like what I went into that night. And uh, uh, all I can tell you is I had laid sick. I laid sick all day on my mother's couch. I'll never forget it. Laid sick all day on my mother's couch. And I knew, it was, I knew that night there was going to be a, a church service, you know, at this church that I'd never been to before. But uh, I'd heard, heard them on the radio talking about the power of God, and I didn't understand too much about that at that time. But I remember I'd laid all, sick, all day sick with, with a fever, actually. And uh, I went to that meeting that night. And... Uh, I went in there, and, and, and right near the end of the service, the minister, who I didn't know, he uh, pointed me out of the crowd. And it scared me because, I, you know, I'd never had a minister point me out of the crowd. I'd never had anybody point me out of the crowd before. But he pointed me out of the crowd. And I was, oh, about 19 years old, give or take at the time, 20, right in there, 18, 19, 20. And uh, he, he shared some things with me by the Spirit of God. And uh, all I can tell you is, is I was standing there down with my head like this, you know. And uh, when they ever call on you, one thing you can do, I can give you a tip. Just put your hands behind your back like that and go like that. I didn't know what else to do. And that's what they call, I guess, the old usher stance, isn't it? You know, you just bow your head. So that's how I remember standing there just like that with my eyes closed. And he shared some things with me. When he got done, and I won't go into what he shared with me, but when he got done, I remember I looked up and there was like an electrical net on, on my head. I can't explain it any other way. Like an elect, Now I know it was the power of God. But like an electrical net. And I put my head down, looked up the second time, and it was still there. It was, it was like an electrical... I'm just telling you what happened to me. And, and I quickly looked down. And then I looked up the third time and it was still there. I'd never been in anything like this. And... Uh, and, and I looked down, and then the fourth time when I looked up, that power was gone, and so was the fever. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Now, that happened to me in 1982. What is the, what is the year now? 2010. How long ago is that? Huh? How many? 20 what? 28 years? It's been that long ago? 1982 to now has been 28 years. Jesus touched me that night. And I've never forgot it. It's been 28 years later. You know, spiritual things never grow old to you. I can tell you the events of that night just, just like as if it happened yesterday. And the power of God touched me that night, changed me that night. I got touched, Jesus touched me that night. That man that was there was just a minister of the Lord Jesus. But it was Jesus that touched me. The power of God touched me. And that fever left me. And it's 28 years has gone by, and I'm still grateful. I'm still grateful. 
I'm still grateful to Jesus for touching me that night. Praise God. I'm still grateful to that, that man that spent enough time in prayer to have the power of God in his, in his church. Amen. And to allow the power of God to flow. Praise God. We're such a church. Amen. Power of God's free to flow anytime he wants. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? Amen. And then I could tell you several such stories. How, how the Lord has touched me over the years. But that one just comes to mind right there because this lady had a fever. And I know I, I lay all day sick of a fever. And I went there and I went in with the fever and I left healed. Amen. And I remember what I did afterward. I went over to the White Castle there across from uh, uh, Chrysler Plant. It had me about half a dozen. Amen. And I sat there and pondered those things in my heart. Amen. I'm so glad Jesus touched me that night. I'll never forget a greater time than that, actually, sitting in the Baptist church as a young boy. Never will forget it. There with my mother. Uh, Vandover Baptist Church, right over here. Not, not far from where I stand right now. And uh, it was a stormy night. And uh, I remember the lady was playing on the piano, and all I can tell is the pastor's wife. And all I can tell you is like something, it's like power coming out of that piano. That's all I can. It was the anointing of God. That's all I can tell you. And when when that music, the anointing, the power of God was so on that, I remember standing there crying, 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 young boy, crying, crying under the power of God. I remember the. Uh, the, one of the deacons of the church, his name was Ralph Blevins. And he was a, actually he was a, my teacher, you know, up at Kellison. And uh, he went on to become a principal in the Rockwood School District. Actually, I think they have a junior high or a middle school named after him out in Eureka. And he went on to be with the Lord some years back. But I remember he came over to me and, and I was weeping under the power of God. You know when Jesus, when the power of God, when the power of the Spirit of God comes in the room, you know, It'll touch you. And I remember he came over and he asked me, he said, do you want to accept the Lord into your heart? I said, yes, I do. And on that stormy night all those years ago, I accepted Jesus into my heart. Praise God. He touched me there that night. Amen. Praise God. Do you know when you got saved? Do you know when Jesus touched you for the first time? Amen. I tell you what, we ought to go back and review these things every now and again. Keep ourselves stirred up. But I'm so thankful that he touched me all those years ago. And I could tell you other occasions where he touched me. And as, as uh, uh, oh, he touched me. How's that song go? He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, Mark the 10th chapter and the 13th verse. Mark the 10th chapter and the 13th verse. Just looking at some people that Jesus touched here. They brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. See, the disciples thought that Jesus couldn't be bothered with children. But you see, Jesus was greatly displeased when he saw this. 
said, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, such for such is the kingdom of God. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms. He laid his hands on them. What was he doing? He was touching them, wasn't he? And what did he do when he touched them? He blessed them. He blesses. He's a blesser. He's a blesser, you see. And he blessed them. And he said, for such is the kingdom, you know, such is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. You understand that. And actually working in the children's church is one of the greatest callings that anybody could ever have in life is working in the children's church, you see. Amen. Praise God. I, I, I personally believe it's, a, I, I think it's every bit as great a calling, maybe a greater calling than standing in the pulpit is working with those little children. Amen. Praise God. You know, there's some people wouldn't walk across the street to work in the children's church. But I tell you what, God sees it as a high honor. Did you hear me? Now, we could go on. Look at John, the sixth chapter and the fifth verse. Notice, just talking about the touch of Jesus, you see. John, the sixth chapter and the fifth verse, Jesus lifted up his eyes. He saw a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, that was one of his disciples, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he knew what he was going to do. You know, Jesus always knows what he's going to do. Amen. And, uh, he's, and then Philip said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may eat a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, said to him, Now look what he said. Here's a lad, little kid here, that has five barley loaves and two small fish. And then notice what he said. But what are they among so many? What are they? So they just had a boy's sack lunch, if you will. Just a little lunch. Just, a, just enough probably to feed that little boy, so to speak. Just a little lunch. Little, little, little bit. Just a little bit. And then one of the disciples says, what are they among so many? But you know, little becomes much when it gets in the master's touch. Amen? I said, little can become much when it gets in the master's touch. And then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about how many? About 5,000. That didn't count the women and the children. And Jesus, notice what he did. He took the loaves. Now, when he takes the loaves, he's touching them, isn't he? And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, you see. The, then the disciples to those sitting down and likewise the fish. He also touched the fish and then to the disciples and then to the crowd. And then notice the Bible said they had as much as they wanted. They had as much as they wanted. They had as much as they wanted. Well, they just started out with a little. You see, there's no way they could feed that whole mass multitude with just that little lunch that they had. But you see, little becomes much when it's placed in the master's touch. You may be here tonight. And uh, in this economy, you might be concerned. You might just have a little. Well, just take the little that you have and put it in the master's touch and he'll uh, uh, cause it to be multiplied, you see. Did you hear me? And uh, you see it in the Old Testament. Remember that widow of Zarephath? Remember Elijah went over to her house? Remember that? God sent him to go over there. And when he got there, she was gathering a few sticks and she was going to take the little that she had, prepare a few cakes for her and her and her son, eat it and die. And that's not a real good attitude, is it? But that's the attitude she had nonetheless. And then what did the, the man of God, the prophet, say? He said, go make me a little cake from it first. Remember that? And I believe that's a principle of the tithe right there, you see. How many of you know tithing is still in effect? Amen. 
and, and, and he said, just take, make a little cake. Just make a little cake for me from it first. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, there wasn't enough to really to just probably barely feed her and her, her child. But she went ahead and did what the man of God said. And remember what happened? It just kept reproducing and, and multiplying. And I guess reproducing isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. It just kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And they went, I think they went about three and a half years on that. And they ate on that. Now that's the touch of God, isn't it? You know, he's still in the multiplying business. I remember Vicky back over there. She told me, I don't even remember the story, but didn't you have God multiply some things for you one time when things were the covered was low and whatnot? And, and he just, re, I keep wanting to say, re, I don't want to say reproduce, but he, keep, he kept multiplying it for you. You know, he's still in that business, you see. Let's don't lose sight of that. Let's don't lose sight of the fact that he's still a miracle working God. He's still in the miracle business. He's still in the supplying business. Amen. I remember Jay back over there. He was down to his last dollar, as I recall. And I remember years ago, and I was just a kid at the time. Well, Jay's about 75 years older than I am. I'm just kidding. I meant 70 years. No, I'm teasing. But I remember him saying, he said, you know what? I'm down to my last dollar. This was probably 25 years ago. I don't know, 22 years. I don't know. He said, I'm putting it into missions. And he did. Went to the church that night, put it into missions, and you know what? All these years, 20 years later, he's still a-going. Amen. Still going. Still going. Still going. I don't think he's missed a meal in the whole, whole time. Amen. You can look at that and see that's the truth. No, I'm teasing. I'm just kidding. But you see, and, and, and God's, God's worked that way for, for these folk. And he's no respecter of persons, you know. Amen. He's still in the touching business. And little can become much when it's placed in the master's touch, you see. Now, notice Luke, the seventh chapter in the 11th verse. Luke, the seventh chapter in the 11th verse. Luke, the seventh chapter in the 11th verse. Now, it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of the disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and notice what he did. He touched the open coffin, didn't he? He touched the open coffin. He touched the open coffin. He touched the open coffin, you see. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. You see, Jesus' touch can raise the dead. Did you hear me? I said his touch can raise the dead. His touch can... May, may, you know, I, I've watched people over the years that their, their, their marriages were dead, but they let Jesus get in the middle, and he resurrected the marriage, and they're still happily married today. I've watched people over the years who were right on the brink of divorce. I've watched people over the years who, who were separated and fussing and feuding, but they decided to have good sense and let Jesus get in the middle, you know, of, of their relationship, and their relationship is good and strong today. He can take that which is dead and resurrect it, you see. 
Only the touch of God can do that. Only the touch of Jesus can do that. And this man sat up and began to speak. Somebody asked me one time, wonder what he said. I don't know. He, he, he probably said, praise God. I don't know. I would have asked him what it was like to, to be dead. What would you ask him? Evidently, he went into Abraham's bosom. Because I don't see anybody ever coming up out of hell. That's, you go there, it's too late. So evidently, he'd been in Abraham's bosom. Jesus, or paradise. Jesus told us what that was like. It was a place of comfort. And uh, so I would have asked him what it, what it was like. Well, that's what I would have asked him. Uh, you know, you can see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Remember that? And you remember there's a passage in the Bible that said that the people came, actually as you read the context of it in that certain setting, the people didn't even come to see Jesus in that one instance. They came to see Lazarus. Remember that? Because he'd been raised from the dead. I guess they was probably asking him, what was it like to be dead? What was it like to be in Abraham's bosom? Well, praise God. I'm glad that when we die, we don't have to go to Abraham's, but we get to go up. Amen. Glory to God. And the Bible says it's far better to depart and be with Christ. Did you hear me? It's far better to depart and be with Christ. See things that are unspeakable, Paul said. Amen. But nonetheless, Jesus touched the coffin and the dead man rose up. Now then, let's look at this, Matthew 14, 34. Matthew 14, 34. Just a couple more of these. Matthew 14, 34, When they'd crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only, what? Touch the hem of his garment. That they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Did you ever think about that? Jesus just sitting there or standing there, and as many as came, and you know what he let whoever come up, he didn't turn any away. Whoever came to him and touched, touched him was made perfectly whole. Think about that. Touching Jesus. Touching the Lord Jesus. And having the power of God flow out into you and being healed or being set free of whatever it is you need to be set free of. That power of God, I tell you what, it'll drive cancer out. It'll drive depression and oppression out. It'll drive sickness and disease out. It'll drive demons out. Glory to God. I'm excited about the power of God. Amen. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Perfectly well. Perfectly well. And we could go on and on. But now I want to, as I begin, just begin to close here, I want to add an ingredient here that's a necessity for touching Jesus. Look at Matthew 9, 27. Matthew 9, 27. And when Jesus departed from there, because from this next thing we're going to be able to, to learn something about touching Jesus, what's important about it. When Jesus departed from there, this is Matthew 9, 27, two blind men following him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house... The blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched... Now, now notice what he did. What did he do? He 
touched their eyes, saying, now what did he say? According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Now the thing you need to realize about touching Jesus is that, did you know you can touch him and get absolutely nothing? And there were people, now we've just been reading the stories where they, you know, as he'd touch them, they were healed, he'd touch them, this happened, that happened, the other happened. But we're going to look at, at, at an instance here. Well, I can tell you one instance. Remember when he went to his hometown in Nazareth? How many remembers that? And the Bible said he could there do no mighty work, and he marveled because of their what? Because of their unbelief. Can you imagine that? And one version says he tried to heal people there, but he couldn't. Didn't say he wouldn't, said he couldn't. See, he's willing to heal. It, was a, it wasn't a, a, a case that he wouldn't do it, he couldn't do it. And the Bible says because of their doubt and unbelief, because of their unbelief, you see. You see, believing and having faith is the same thing. So the opposite of, of believing and having faith would be doubting. And they doubted him. And he could there do no mighty work. Could you imagine the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth being laid on somebody? Now you'd think just automatically his hand going on there would automatically heal him. But it's not so. I've already had people in the, in the healing lines over the years. We've laid hands on them and they've gotten absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. People have criticized. And they said, well... These people come and you, you can't even heal them. Why didn't you heal them? Well, I can't heal them in the first place. Only the power of God can heal them. And I've already been where the power, I've been up here, power of God present. I believe the power of God's present anytime we lay hands on, on the sick, you know. And, but we've laid hands on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds into the thousands. We've got hundreds of them healed. And you know what? We've got hundreds of them that didn't get a thing. Why is that? It's because when you touch Jesus, you have to touch him in faith. How do you tap the power of God? You tap it by your faith, you see. And, 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 and so in Nazareth, uh, you can see, you read the Bible and see that right there, he would lay his hands on Jesus, the Lord and Savior, our Savior. He would lay hand, his hands on people and they'd get absolutely positively nothing. Nothing. Why? Was it because he wasn't willing? Well, we know he was willing with that leper. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What did he say? I am what? I'm willing. Be cleansed. So it's his will to heal. But we need to touch him in what? In faith. So if you want to receive anything from God, when you touch him, you've got to touch him in faith. And there's a lot of people that touched him. He touched. They didn't get anything. Because... To make the connection, you have to do it with a believing heart. You have to do it with a believing heart. And he said, according to your faith, let it be to you. He touched their eyes, but what was important as well, and it wasn't just the touch, it was their what, their what, their what, their faith. They had to believe it, simply believe it. Where, in their head or in their heart? In their heart. You can't tap the power of God with your brain. You tap the power of God with your spirit, with your heart. That inward man, the hidden man of the heart. Paul said the inward man. See, there's a lot of people, they, you see, they'll reach out and they'll, they'll, they'll well, how do I want to say this? Uh, 
you know, according to Acts, the 19th chapter, talking about the prayer clause, you know, that they took claws from the Apostle Paul and, and, and people were healed, demons dri- driven out by the power that was in those claws because the power with those claws were on him uh, when he was under the anointing, you know. And we'll, we'll do this from time to time. We'll lay our hands on these, you know. We'll lay our hands on these things and we'll release the power of God into them. You know, and we've had a testimony after testimony come in of people being healed just through the power of God that gets stored up in these claws. Did you hear me? Thoroughly scriptural. But, but whenever we, we do this, we will, I will pray over them, we'll lay them up here, you know, and usually people will come and take them. And, uh, but you see, even though the power of God can be in those claws, if you don't touch them in faith, it's not going to do you any good. I remember just real quickly, the, one, the most outstanding story we ever had along these lines is we had a lady who, uh, we were praying for the sick this, this one particular service, and this one lady, uh, actually, um, uh, she had a, like a shoulder neck problem, something in there, you know. And her husband was at home and he was ill, and she came, and actually, she after the service was over, we dismissed. We laid these claws up there. You know, anybody want to come take one could. And so, I remember, uh, she came up, and she was going to get one for her husband. So she came believing, didn't she? Otherwise, she wouldn't have been coming to start with. And I'll never forget, she came and told me the story. She still attends the church. Not here tonight, but she still attends the church to this day. And... Uh, she said when she went down to reach the claw, said like electricity ran up her arm, hit her, in the, hit her in the shoulder neck area, healed her instantly. Isn't that something? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I know there was another story of uh, a fella who uh, wanted to, he came up, got one of these claws, and he put him in the bed of his unsaved son. And his son didn't know he put it in the in between the like the sheets or whatever mattress mattress and box springs you know, and the kid get in the older guy and probably in his mid twenties give or take anyway he'd get in the bed and he got in the bed and he he couldn't sleep in the bed well he was running from God something isn't it I said it's something isn't it praise God and we've had we've had different ones healed and testimonies come in about the, the, the prayer clause. But you see, the power of God can be present, but when those people came to touch Jesus and it said they got healed every one, what happened? They were touching His garment in what? In faith. Say it another way. When they touched it, they believed that they were going to receive. How do you receive something in, in the spirit realm? By believing it. But you see, a lot of people want to like when we pray for them or when they come up, get see, they want to grab a hold of it in the natural and just grab a hold of it. Well, if that's all you're doing, you're not going to get anything. You've got you to grab a hold of the power of God. How do you grab a hold of it? In faith. And that's the connection. I like what Brother Hagin always said. He said, keep the switch of faith turned on. Did you hear me? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I don't know how this all works. Uh, but I remember one night, I'll never forget it. I was in here on a Wednesday night. And we, I don't know how I even got the claws. And, but I remember this one fellow was having financial troubles. And uh, I never did anything like this before or since. But he was sitting over in here. And I remember I took one of those claws. And, uh, and uh, 
I threw it like over there on the floor and I said, now after the service, go get that and, and you see that the financial problems that power of God will help you. And so he did it and I never thought any more about it. He came back sometime later and he said that just within a within several month period of time, you know, it takes us sometimes years to mess something up and then we want God to fix it in five seconds. It doesn't work that way. And... Uh, don't let anybody sell you on miracle Bible, miracle debt cancellation. There's just one or two cases of that. You can't preach doctrine from that. Did you hear me? Just people that preach that either don't understand or they're trying to get your money. But you hear me. He, he got there. He came to me and said, Pastor, he said, I, I've been, he said, I've kept that cloth on me. And he said, I don't know. But he said, in this month's time that's come and gone, he said, I'm out of debt. He said, I'm ahead. I'm ahead, you see. Praise God. But you see, now he was doing, you got to do, it's a natural and a supernatural. He was doing the natural things. You know, he was working hard and budgeting and tithing and giving. But I don't know. Thank God for the power of God. Thank God for the touch of God. Amen? I believe in the touch of God. Amen? I need the touch of God. How about you? Um, you okay with this? This helping you at all tonight? There's some people that need the touch of God. That woman with the issue of blood, remember? We, I just, we could turn there, but remember she came to him. What happened first? She heard of Jesus. Is that right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So she heard about Jesus. He's the word made flesh. She came to him. So right there we know that she believed, right? And then she touched his garment, the hem actually, and, and, and you may have heard me say this before, but I think it's interesting. Over there in Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, said that the Son of Righteousness will arise with what? Healing in His wings. And that wing and that hem are known as the same thing. It may be that that little lady heard that the Son of Righteousness has arisen with healing in His wings. That's why she was going after the wing or the hem of His garment. But nonetheless, she got to Him and she touched it. And when she touched it, what happened? Jesus felt power go out of him and into her. Is that right? Actually, it flowed out of his body through that cloth and in to her. Did you hear me? So what happened first? She heard, then she came. Does that show that she believes? Right? And then she touched. Is that right? And, and Jesus feels what? Power go out of him. Is that right? And he turned about in the crowd and said, Who? Who what? Who touched me? And then Peter, I guess it was Peter, one of the disciples said, What do you mean who touched you? All these people thronging you or they're, you know. So did, would you agree with me that there was probably more than one people, one people, one person that touched him? Huh? But we only have record that one got anything. And then later on, Remember, she fell down before him, told him all the truth. And he said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Well, it was the power of God that healed her, but it was her faith that tapped it. Or that pulled it. Did you hear me? I've already prayed for people over the years. I'd lay my hands on them, and they'd, they'd, they'd have faith. You know, you can be in faith one moment and out of it the next. You know how I know that? I know that years of experience. But Peter, was Peter in faith when he was walking on the water? Yeah, and, and was he walking one second and sinking the next? So you can be in faith one second and out of it the next. Is that right? It's important that we get in faith and what? Stay in faith. Did you hear me? 
And I've had people over the years, I've laid hands on them and, and they'll, they'll, they'll be in faith. But then, you know, remember that's spiritual. And they'll believe it, but then they'll get over in their head. And I've already felt the power of God go into somebody and, and feel it come right back out. Now, I'll tell you, most of the time I pray for people, I don't feel a thing. And, you know, actually, we've got more people healed when I haven't felt a thing. But I've already prayed for people, and they're in faith. They pull the power of God. I had it one time where uh, I laid hands on somebody right up here, and they pulled the power of God out of me. And it, 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 it went in them. It came right in them, and, they, and, they, and then they got over in their head, came right out of them, hit me, and not, actually knocked me down on the floor. And the ushers picked me up. And uh, I, God's good, isn't he? So we went at it again, praise God. And I said, now, 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 now you know, thank God for our brain and all that, but, but you gotta, you got to bypass your brain and pull this with your spirit. And I told him that, laid hands on the empire. God went in him, knocked him down this time, and he got up healed. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, uh, but this woman, she had faith, didn't she? She had faith, she had faith, she had faith. And those other people that touched him, they, they didn't have any faith. But she touched him in faith and she pulled that power and then she felt in her body that she was what? Healed of the plague. Remember, with faith and healing, remember this. Any, anytime faith's involved, but faith and healing, you don't start with the feeling. You start believing. You hear me? But if you really tap into Jesus, you will eventually feel. Is that right? Now, it's interesting that that particular lady, see, medical science couldn't touch her situation because they'd worked on her for 12 years and couldn't help her. Now, I believe in good medical science. And take advantage of it, use it, and all of that. I'm all for it. But there's some cases medical science can't touch. I like to say it this way. Why don't we... And like Pastor Hagen says, the natural and the supernatural working together. I've already prayed for people over the years. And, uh, you know, in those life-threatening situations, actually, I don't even want to pray for them unless they're going to work in conjunction with a doctor. And then God heals them. Let the doctor confirm it. Did you hear me? Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen? But the doctors couldn't help this lady. So how did it start out? She started out by what? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And did she believe what she heard? Yeah. And then how is faith released? By words and our actions. And if you read it, she said, before she ever got to Jesus, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. So she's releasing her faith, isn't she? And then she reaches out and touches. And how does she touch? She touches in faith. And that power, she see, she touched him. And that power went out of him into her, healed her. And then she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Well, you know what? Jesus... The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he's easily touched. He's easily touched. You can touch him tonight. He's easily touched. He's easily touched. Did you hear me? But for it to do any good, you have to touch him how? You have to touch him in faith. Amen? Did you get anything out of this? All right, ushers, come if you would. We'll receive.